everyone. Welcome back to Figuring It Out, the podcast, the podcast where I talk about everything I do know and everything I don't know. This week, I am actually back with another solo episode, and I wanted to talk about something that I've heard a lot of people on the internet talk about. It's something that has come up in a lot of conversations with my friends, and that is the idea of your inner child. And typically on the internet, I've seen people talk about, you know, doing what's best for your inner child or being the version of you today that your inner child needed. And with my friends, I think something we've talked about a lot is how our inner child has manifested into our adulthood and how certain things that we experienced as children manifested into our adulthood and certain lived experiences that we didn't even realize affected us in our youth, how they've impacted and affected our lives today. And this is, I think, a relatively newer concept. It's not something I really read about or heard a lot about when I was in college. I really think probably within like the last year and a half, I've seen more and more content about your inner child, more discussions about your inner child, who they are, what they needed, how you are really just a big grown version of your inner child walking around, which Tony and I kind of talked about on the previous episode in Redefining Masculinity. So let's just jump right into it. To start off, what is this concept of your inner child? And essentially, The whole idea is that obviously when you're in your developmental years as a kid, as a child, being raised by your parents, going to school, essentially that version of you, whatever traumas or lessons they learned early on in adolescence manifest into who you become into your adult life. And I think that this is a very popular topic amongst people my age because I think as you are in your 20s, you're starting to realize certain behaviors or traits that you have that are very much attributed to your early adolescence and things you learned very early on. So for example, just to simplify this, something I've talked a lot about is how I am a reformed people pleaser. And that is something I've really had to work on this past year and be gentle with myself in the sense that somewhere along the way in my childhood, I learned that it was easier for me to put others before myself to keep peace. And whatever that looks like, I have a few, I don't want to say insignificant, but memories of times where I just kind of put my needs second to maybe make my brothers happy. And that's probably just attributed to being the older sibling. But it manifested into a way into my adulthood that I really just would always put other people before myself whether it be friends, family, coworkers, to the point where I was not making myself a priority and I wasn't truthfully speaking up for myself or putting myself first or making myself happy. And that's my experience. I think that's a huge part of my inner child. And for other people, it may look different. I know some people who speak to themselves very aggressively because that's how they were spoken to as children and they're very hard on themselves because that's how they were spoken to as children. And whatever it may look like, right? If you had a parent who was an alcoholic, you may have learned to, you know, run to your room when that parent came home from work to avoid seeing them. And that can manifest into your adulthood in a particular way. 
or if you were shamed a lot for speaking up at the dinner table or speaking up in class a lot or got teased for speaking up because of the way you talked growing up or the points you made growing up, you're probably going to be more inclined to not speak up or act out in social scenarios. So I'm going to speak primarily to my experiences with my inner child just because I'm not like a licensed therapist. I, <laughs> I'm not, I don't have a bachelor's or a master's in handling this in healing, but I can definitely speak to some of my own experiences in healing my inner child and hearing him and hearing what he needs and how I've worked on mending that. And I want to say your inner child, it's not always something traumatic, right? You want something different in your childhood and you think your whole life, you want your life to take on one direction, but it ends up not working out that way, which is a whole other thing that I'll get into. But we'll start off with recognizing the unhealthy patterns and behaviors that are a direct result of experiencing things as a child. So I've talked about my people-pleasing tendencies that somewhere along the way in my childhood, and it doesn't even have to be like this big dramatic memory I learned that, like I mentioned, it's easier for me to put other people's needs before my own. Now, I've learned now as an adult that that is not necessarily true. And it was something for a really, really long time that I always said, oh, I'm just, I'm just a people pleaser, you know, like it's, it's just my thing. And like, I hate letting people down and it makes me anxious and it makes me stressed and I lose sleep about letting people down. And then somewhere along the way, I realized I was spending so much of my energy freaking out that I let someone down, whether it be a friend or at work, like it would destroy me and eat me up for days. And I know that sounds dramatic, but it's true. I would, if I let a friend down over something, it didn't matter how big or small it was, I would beat myself up over it for days because I always believed that I had to be there for other people before being there for myself. And I know now <laughs> that that is not true, but that's something I've really had to mend for myself. And even in romantic relationships, learning, you know, I have to speak up for myself or I'm going to drive myself crazy. And your brain is hardwired to whatever it is. So when you try to mend whatever it is your inner child may be, and essentially what I'm saying is when you work against that belief, it's going to be incredibly uncomfortable. I remember the first time I set a boundary with a friend in trying to reform my people-pleasing tendencies, I had physical symptoms of panic. Like I was stressing out. my. When I stress, I put my fingers in my hair and start to twist my hair. I started twisting my hair. I was freaking out. My mind started racing, thinking this person was never going to want to speak to me again, that I'd completely let them down. And truthfully, as tough as it is, I had to let myself feel that way. I really just had to let it be. I had to trust that, okay, you know what? My hard wiring is to be a people pleaser it is not selfish to set certain boundaries within reason. And I trust that my friend is going to react to this appropriately. And I really just had to work against that stress that immediately as a bodily reaction instigated. And I am so happy that I've begun working on this because I want to point out that 
whatever it is that your inner child, which is you, believes, you are not at fault for whatever happens to you growing up or in your adolescence. Or it, it doesn't even have to be your adolescence. It could be in your in a later part of your teens and earlier part of your 20s. You're never at fault for whatever that may be, but you are absolutely 100% accountable for acknowledging it and working through it. And I use my own anxiety as an example. I started going to therapy in 2020 and my whole life, I believe that the way I thought and approached the world was how everyone thought and approached the world. And until I like recognized, okay, it is not normal to freak out and have these moments of panic and uncomfortableness when everything is going right in your life. That is not, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say the word normal, but that is not standard of someone without anxiety. And I recognize that and I said, okay, I have two choices. I can live like this forever and accept that, or I could try and get better to be a better person for myself and those around me. And I remember the first couple therapy sessions thinking, oh my gosh, not everyone thinks in black and white. Not everyone goes to the worst case scenario all the time. Not everyone, I remember, oh my gosh, in like really bad moments, I would be driving my car and I would think, oh my gosh, what if I have a seizure right now and I like drive off the road and crash and like not everyone thinks that way. And I remember undoing all that hardwiring, but I remember having to undo all that and like consciously having to let every thought pass through my brain and thinking, you know, oh, what if I veer off? What if I have a seizure behind the wheel and veer off the road? Okay, pause. How many times in my life have I ever had a seizure? Zero. What are the odds that I have a seizure in my life? What are the odds it happens right this second as I'm driving? What are the, you know what I mean? It's really about just checking yourself and checking whatever it is that you are trying to heal, even with people pleasing. Like if someone says to me, you know, I, I blow people's responses out of proportion and I always feel like I'm letting someone down. So if someone at work responded to me over a team's message and said, okay, they're quite literally saying, okay. That's how they mean it. When I first started and someone would say, okay, I would think, oh gosh, I let them down. I let them down and I suck at my job and I am getting fired. I have no idea what I'm doing. I probably look like an idiot to my entire team. And finally I started saying, okay, let's be reasonable for a second. Let me stop jumping to the worst case scenario. Let me stop assuming everyone is mad at me all the time that I'm letting people down. Let me like spin these messages in a positive way or how they might actually say them. And I remember someone said to me, no, it's actually a very common trend because we were talking about a social media trend. I read it to myself and I caught it. I read it to myself as if, no, it's actually a very common trend. And then I said, okay, pause. Do I really think that this person who I have meetings with every week is speaking to me like that? And then I read it how they probably meant it in a more positive way and said, no, it's actually a very common trend, which I'm sure is how they meant it. And I know that sounds ridiculous to some people, but anyone who's a people pleaser knows what I'm talking about of just constantly being in fear that 
you're going to let someone down or people are mad at you or people think you're stupid. So those are sort of things that I had to look at and had to mend for myself. And I think I've made significant progress in those areas of my life. Now, I think the next part of your inner child is sort of recognizing things that your inner child may have wanted that maybe are not necessarily true anymore. And that's typically because you have more life experience at this point and you have a better grasp on who you are in the world and the way you move about the world and what you want out of life. So I would strongly encourage people because I think we've all maybe felt like we were letting down our inner child at some point. So I know for me, I grew up doing musical theater. In high school, I got nominated for musical theater awards. I got a huge musical theater scholarship to my college. I went to college for musical theater. I pretty consistently did really well in musical theater in college. And I do not want to do musical theater for my life at all anymore. And that's a whole, this could be a whole podcast episode itself. But I've realized for myself that taking classes, paying three, four, five hundred dollars for a class, and it going nowhere, and doing an audition and prepping all this time for an audition, and then getting a callback, and then prepping all this time for this callback, and then maybe get another callback, and you prep all this time for this callback, and then you don't get it. I've realized it has actually really soured my taste and made me hate so much of what I loved about theater and musical theater when I was growing up. And for a really long time, I felt guilty because I thought, what is wrong with me? Why why don't I want to do this anymore? I used to love this. Like I used to spend so much, this was, this was all little Albert wanted to do. Like you could not convince high school me. This is what I was born. You couldn't convince me back then. This is not what I was born to do. You could not convince me back then that I would not want to do this. And I, for a long time, really felt like I was letting down my inner child. And I realized that I'm still that person. He's just a little bit more grown up. He's just experienced different things in life. And he's realized that I would so much rather still love it and do it for fun and not have to worry about it paying my bills than forcing myself to do it because the younger version of me thought he wanted to do it. Because I have other areas of interest as well now, and I don't think I want to use the one thing that gave me joy growing up as a means to survive. Because then it stops becoming the thing I enjoy. And so since then, I've actually been trying to refine that love. Because I do feel like going to college for it and trying to make a career out of it really beat that love out of me. I remember in college, I had this really sad conversation with one of my voice teachers. And I said to her, Ellie, I don't even think I like singing anymore. And she said to me, as your voice teacher, that is so incredibly hard for me to hear. And I said to her, when I was a kid, I just like singing was my thing to like, get my emotions out. And I never thought about being on pitch and I ever never thought about being, you know, I mean, this isn't great, but singing healthily. And I never cared about any of the things. I just loved to sing. And her and I, for a really long time, she's like, well, let's find that again. Like, 
let's stop thinking about being on pitch. Let's stop worrying about those things. Let's find what the kid you loved. And ever since then, I've, you know, been rewriting music. I've been going to the studio. I have a producer I work with in the city. And it's really helped me refine what I love about singing. And then even with uh, acting, I've realized, wow, I love to do this with a group of people, whether we're making a short film or not. And it doesn't matter to me if I get paid or not. It's actually more enjoyable when it's just an outlet for me. And for the longest time, as I mentioned, I felt like I was letting down my inner child, but I've realized in a way I'm really embracing my inner child because the inner child never cared about making money. The inner child didn't know what monetary value was to any of the things I was doing. So if anything, I think I've learned to embrace him more and say, wow, I love this so much that I want to do it in my free time. And I don't care if I make money from it. And I don't care if a hundred people listen to the song that I write, or it's just me and the producer who are working on it. So that has not only helped me mend sort of when I thought I lost my inner child, but allowed me to better embrace who he is. And I think now with everything I do, I try and do it with a newfound approach of, okay, what would the little me think if I he saw me doing this? To my next point, I've actually learned how to actually manifest my inner child to approach every day of life with a lot of gratitude. So something I actually did recently was write a letter to my inner child because we move through day-to-day life and it just seems, you know, it's so easy to fall into the motions and take things for granted and move through the world without recognizing, wow, wait, my life is actually really cool. So I wrote this whole letter to my inner child and I said, you know, we get to travel for work. We go, you know, you take international vacations to Colombia and Spain and Amsterdam and you live in New York with one of your best friends. You guys share an apartment and on the weeknights, you guys stay in and drink tea and play a Monopoly deal. And sometimes on the weeknights, you go out with your friends, who your best friends who you made and they live in Manhattan and you get to take the subway every day and you live near this really awesome park and you love to go read in the park. And these are things that I do every week. And it's so easy to take these things for granted. But young me would be like, oh my gosh, I live in New York City oh my gosh, I live with one of my best friends and I get to travel for work and I get to go to red carpet events and I get to see my favorite music artists live in person and I get to, I get to travel for vacation and I, get, I, I go by myself and I make friends when I'm abroad. And it's, you know, it's something that helps you practice gratitude and you kind of live each day more and more appreciative of your current circumstance, regardless of what that looks like. And even something else I've done is write a letter from my older self to my current self and say, everything you were worried about back then works itself out. So don't stress, enjoy where you are now. And that for me has been something really, really cool to experience. And I think that's a, I think that is something that everyone should do, write a letter to their inner child and a letter from their older self to them now, because I promise you it'll make you feel a lot more grateful for your current circumstances. And lastly, I want to say why it is so important to acknowledge your inner child, because the reality is we are not 
perfect human beings, and we are all susceptible to becoming grumpy old adults. And I think a lot about when I was younger, things I hated talking about, things I hated doing, things that my parents did that drove me up a wall. And I try and be really conscious about it because I think it makes me better to my goddaughter and my nephews. And if I ever have kids someday, I think it'll make me a better parent because it allows you to better see the world from their perspective and show up better for them and be the version of you that you, as I mentioned earlier, needed back then. So for example, with my goddaughter and my nephew, I I used to hate getting yelled at as a kid. Like it would freak me out. There was nothing worse than a people pleaser, of course, someone saying they were disappointed in me, a teacher yelling at me. I always hated that. So I really try And if I'm babysitting them or just spending the day with them and they're acting up, just like try and talk to them, which again, I'm a human being. It's not always the easiest thing in the world, but talking to them as opposed to, you know, resorting to raising my voice or whatever it may be. Also, I hated when adults would talk to me like I was stupid, like a kid, like, you know, when you raise your voice and you're like, oh, how, how is school going? Oh, you've been, you've grown so much. Like, I hated that. I wanted to be spoken to like they were on my level. Or even as a kid, I hated when all adults would talk about was school. How's school going? What class? How do you like your teachers? Do you have any friends in class? Do you have a boyfriend or girlfriend? I hated when they did that. I hated that so much. So I always try and ask them like things that are important in their life or make whatever is important to them really important. So my nephew, oh my gosh, I was over there a few weeks ago and he's talking, he asked me what his favorite type of chip was. And yeah, he was having me guess what his favorite type of chip was. And that was so important to him. He needed me to guess what his favorite type of chip was. So I was all about the conversation. I was guessing like sour cream and onions, salt and vinegar, like doing the whole thing. And he was so excited. I learned it's barbecue, by the way. That to him meant the world to him that I wasn't just like forcing like, oh, how was school? Like, do you have friends at school? Like he, I let him kind of drive the conversation. And with my goddaughter, for example, she went to a Luke Bryan concert and they brought her right to the front of the row. And I said, oh my gosh, I saw that. That was so cool. I wish I could have gone to that concert. I wish I was brought to the front. And she thought that was so cool that I made, you know, told her that I thought her life was really cool because they always love to be like, oh my gosh, Theo, you're going to, you're going to Spain. Oh my gosh. Can you bring, you're going to Mexico. So telling them that I think their life is cool, I think does a lot and it makes them feel seen and valued. And it shows them that I care what they want to talk about and that, they have things of substance to talk about and their feelings and their emotions and whatever they whatever they are experiencing is valid and that's something i think a lot of kids don't feel unfortunately now i also think when we talk to our inner child or try and mend certain things from our childhood we have to be really patient with ourselves and i am not a patient person so this is something that <laughs> i've really had to learn and mend for myself because when I was 
mending my people-pleasing tendencies, I would get so frustrated and be like, why the fuck do I think like this? Why can't I, why can't I not be like this? This is so stupid. I wish I could just mend this. And I had to pause and just be so gentle with myself and speak to my inner child like he was what he is, a child, and be so gentle because that's what he needed and say, you know what? Somewhere along the way in childhood, you learned that it is easier for you to minimize yourself. And now I'm telling you, you don't have to minimize yourself. So I'm going to be very patient with you while you learn to set boundaries, speak up for yourself, put your needs first and communicate what you want. Because that's what I need. That's what I needed. I needed someone to be so patient with me while I was working through that and mending that part of myself. And when I did that, I really started to notice so much progress in how I felt and in making myself a priority and speaking up for myself. Maybe now I speak up for myself a little too much. But that being said, you have to be so patient with mending those parts of yourselves. And I think that's where people go wrong is that I have friends who they're, they're, they yell at their inner child. Like I had a friend and we were like, what would you say to your inner child? And he quite literally yelled at his inner child. And we're like, what, what is wrong with you? You just yelled at the inner version. He's like, and he was like, Oh, he's got to pull it the fuck together. And we were like, no, he's five. Let, let, be gentle. So, If you are healing something, if you're working through something, be gentle, be patient. It's going to take time. And that's really all I have for you this week. I know this was a bit of a shorter episode. I know this was a different episode than what I typically talk about, but this was just something I wanted to explore as I've seen it pop up more and more across social media and conversations with friends. And I think that a lot of my friends, as they're healing their inner child, they've asked me to share what I've learned in mending certain aspects of myself that, you know, are my inner child and who I am today. So that's all I have for you this week. I will see you next time on Figure It Out, the podcast. Ciao, ciao. Thank you so, 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 so much for tuning in this week. Please be sure to share with your friends, share with anyone who you think may enjoy this episode and be sure to subscribe, like, and leave a review. Until next time, everyone.